Hello and welcome back to the podcast. It's been a while. I believe our last episode went live mid-August. So we're looking at about two months. It's a lot of fun to be jumping back into the podcasting world. I had taken some time off to get our conference up and off the ground that my friend Rebecca Hargraves and I host every September. And then I went on sabbatical shortly after that. And that brings us up to today. So, hello. I hope you guys are well. I have a few announcements to share with you before we dive in. But I did want to say hi. I hope you all are doing well. I hope the weather where you live has been as beautiful as it has been here. We've been blessed with an amazing fall. And we're doing all the fall things. And in fact, just this morning, we went to the pumpkin patch as a family. That was a lot of fun. I had asked my husband if he would take today off so that he could join us to go to our little man's pumpkin patch field trip. Little man attends a private Christian school ran through our church. I homeschool our oldest. And that was just a lot of fun to be out as a pumpkin patch as a family. We've been able to spend a lot of time outside. We've gone on bike rides, on walks, just spending time in our own backyard. So again, I hope you are enjoying the season as much as we have been. So as for a few announcements, this is no longer going to be the Cultivating Jewels podcast. If you follow me on Instagram, you will realize that I changed my name to Where Sparrows Sing. I know I've been a little all over the map in this ministry, and I used to really feel bad about that. Like, I really used to eat at me like, people are going to think I'm crazy. I can't do anything consistently. That's just how the enemy likes to get into our heads. And so honestly, I don't feel bad anymore because every venture of online ministry I've had, I have reached women. I've had women um, message me and tell me the words the Lord led me to share. I'm not tooting my own horn here. It's totally the Lord. Um, the Lord. The words that the Lord encouraged me to share have blessed them. So I can't feel bad when that happens, right? So we are now where sparrows sing. Reason being, if you were following along with me this summer, it was a hard summer. It was a crazy summer. It was a busy summer. It was just a season. Season of life I am in many ways still in, but also glad parts of it are over. I had kind of felt the call to start a more family-centric part of my ministry and so I kind of just opened an um, Instagram account and had a Facebook page for it, but didn't really get to do much with it before we went through our topic pregnancy in July. And I also had the eating disorder stuff. Um, and as much as I love and still have a passion for eating disorder recovery, and as much as you'll still see parts of that weave in and out of my ministry, that's not all that the Lord has called me to do. And within the time I've been taking this sabbatical, he's really just pressed on my heart the importance of family. I don't, I have no interest in being another mommy blogger. Look, I love, I adore some of the women who have mommy blogs out there. I follow them. I'm in friendship with them. They're amazing. But my calling is not more than theirs. It's just different. My calling is to reach mamas, yes, first and foremost. Mamas are my people. It's where my heart's at. Women, 
Yes, yes, yes. But more so than sharing recipes and homeschool lessons and how to decorate your house and that side of things, the Lord just really pressed into my heart the importance of reaching women for Him. Again, not that the others are not. Um, so that we have less of a pandemic, if you will. I know we all don't like that word. But pandemic of brokenness in our world. I am a strong believer that if we would have our hearts right with Christ, we would see less brokenness. If we were living intentional lives, raising up our children in the way they should go, yes, there's still going to be brokenness because we live in a sinful, broken world. I'm not saying that you live for Christ and you're automatically sinless. You're still, we still have that old flesh in us. But when we are raising our kids to know and love the Lord, they're going to turn to the Lord in times of trouble. That's our hope, right? They're not going to turn to things such as eating disorder and drugs and alcohol and promiscuity and all these things. We don't want all these things that are rotten and brokenness. My heart is so burdened to help mamas, even in the trenches that I am of my own motherhood. My oldest is only seven. But I think I can enter this from a unique place of I'm here too, of I experienced brokenness growing up, a place not of standing high and looking down, but a place of joining hands and running towards the Lord together. Even though I'm a young mama, I have been the one who had an eating disorder for 17 years because of some of the brokenness in my family. So the Lord's just through everything I've been through because that's how amazing our Lord is. He will use our stories if we allow him to um, and turn them into ministry. Again, 110% the Lord. Amber has very little to do with it. It seems as if he has opened a door for me to be able to share in this way. So I'm super excited. The name where sparrows sing. Birds have become very special to me. They were always special to my grandma and my grandma is very very dear in my life. All four of my grandparents were slash are, two of them have passed, um, like giants in my life. And just if I could be one, one millionth of the lady my grandma is, I would be blessed. So they were always special to her. I love them because of that. But also just the Lord has really um, enabled them to become a symbol of his presence and his hope and just his light in my life. So I love birds. I have a special place on my knickknack shelf for birds. And so I thought of the verse in Matthew that says, Are we not more important than sparrows? How much more the Lord cares for us than sparrows. Therefore, he will take care of us. And then the word sing is actually one of my 2022 words. And the Lord, again, has worked powerfully through that word. If you have never uh, participated in the practice of choosing a word for your year, can I encourage you to do so? You all, every single year I've done this since 2013, so nearing 10 years, the Lord has shown up in powerful ways, powerful ways. I could do a whole podcast and maybe I will closer to the end of the year on all of my words and how impactful they have been. But I do encourage you to do that. Anyhow, sing was my word, one of my words this year. And when the Lord first gave it to me, I honestly was excited because I'm like, great, singing is good. We like singing. When we're joyful, we sing. Much of this year has been anything but joyful. This has been one of the hardest years I've ever walked through. 
So learning to sing in the midst of the fire, learning to sing in the midst of grief, learning to sing in the midst of losing our precious baby via ectopic pregnancy, learning to sing, having the knowledge that apart from a miracle of God, we will never have another biological child. It's been powerful. The Lord has been so good to use those words in my life. So if we're going to transition from full-on Christian eating disorder recovery, which is what Cultivating Jewels was. Let's come up with a new name. And the Lord was just gracious enough to provide that name for me. That's a really long announcement. Um, to tell you also that I will be back from this little break I'm taking, which has been so amazing. I did not realize I needed it as much as I did before I took it. I will be back November 1st and hoping to jump right back into weekly podcasting. Um, doing both interview style as well as solo episodes. Today, my point is just to finish up the series. I will share with you a um, re-release that Rebecca is going to be putting out today as well on a episode re-recorded back in 2020, I believe, when this book first we were doing our launch stuff for this book to come out, um, which is the appendix at the back of the book, which we go through questions people had sent in that we did not have a place within the actual chapters to answer. That's a really good episode you won't want to miss. So without further ado, let's start this episode, 10 minutes into it, with a little bit of review. Rebecca and I started this series on each of our podcasts back early this summer where we walk through now our entire book, Friendship Matters, Cultivating Meaningful Connections in an Isolated World. For most of the chapters, remember there's only two chapters, one of which she completely wrote and the other I wrote on my own. Every other chapter we each had a portion of. So all but two of these chapters each week we shared on our individual podcasts. And then when it came to those two chapters, she interviewed me about my chapter and had that on her podcast. And I interviewed her about her solo chapter and had that on here. Throughout the entirety of this book, Rebecca and I really wanted to stick as close as possible to the gospel message and what the Bible has to say about friendship. And so if you'll remember, we started out chapter one talking about the importance of sharing our story with others, which is fertile soil for friendship to be built upon. We talked about walking with the wise and how that's so important. We looked at different chapters within Proverbs. We talked about how important it is to sharpen each other, such as iron sharpening iron friendships. We talked about the importance of living loved and how there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. We looked a little bit into who we should not make friends with and then ended that chapter with how we ought to be kind and live a life that is offenseless. Right? We don't want to be known as people who are super easily offended. In chapter two, we looked at New Testament friendships. Within my section of the chapter, we looked at Elizabeth and Mary. We looked at Paul and Timothy, Mark, Barnabas, and Paul, Paul, Philemon, and Onesimus, Jesus, Mary, and Martha, and Jesus and John. Chapter three is where we started to get a little more practical. 
still very much pulling from the Word of God, of course. But we talked about things such as the blessing of friendship in our lives, how friendships enrich our life, how they improve our overall health, how we can learn from each other, how they can help when family cannot, accountability, how they help us cope, and then how to make friends. Chapter 4 was all about growing in your friendships by Jesus' example. We talked about friendship with God and what that means and how we can grow in that from reading our Bible to praying to worship to growing spiritual fruit, what that means, what that looks like, even then to friendship with a lost world. Within this chapter, we also talked about cultivating our friendship with others, prioritizing friendship, and loving well. Chapter 5 was all about answering the call of online friendship, which is something Rebecca and I know very well. Again, she lives 1,700 miles away, so we are very much long-distance friends. We have had the immense blessing of gathering in person four times now. I did have to laugh because you think back to like the early 2000s and how sketch it was to have friends online. Um, but I saw on Kristen LaValle's Instagram stories this evening how she had spent the night at someone's house she had met online. I remember going out to Rebecca's house the first time with my family and people asking me, like, are you sure? I'm just so thankful for God's providence in this online friendship and would encourage you too that if you meet someone online that you really click with, dive into that. Build that friendship. It's a beautiful thing. We talked within this chapter about the advantages of online friendships, such as friendships can be global. People feel like they can be more open, um, the timing of conversation, meeting people of similar interests. And then we also looked at, because Rebecca and I very much tried to give a well-rounded perspective of all things friendship in this book, we also looked at the disadvantages of online friendships, such as what online friends are not able to do. For example, when I walked through the season this summer, Rebecca was not able to show up at my doorstep. She was able to do other things. She sent her love in other ways for sure. But online friendships, long-distance friendships, are not able to do certain things. Um, people, thankfully, I have not had this experience with many people. A few, yes, but not many. People can be very deceptive online. If we can't see through your screen, you can be anyone you want to be. There's an old country song. Not an old. There's like an early 2000s country song about that. I talked about how nonverbal communication isn't really there because you can't see each other when you're communicating through a screen, so you can't pick up on those nonverbal cues. Chapter 6 is all about the five red flags of difficult friendships. This is the solo chapter of Rebecca. Chapter 7, boundaries are a thing. This, in addition to the next chapter, chapter 8, moving on, were where we wanted to look at some of the more sticky issues of friendship. We talked about boundaries from a biblical perspective, following God's example in boundary setting, boundaries in our personal life, establishing boundaries, how to deal with trespasses, communication, and then communication in a world of social media. Chapter 8 was my solo chapter about moving on. None of us want to think about having to move on from our friendship, but because it happens, again, we wanted to include it in our book on friendship. And if you would like to listen to that episode, I would encourage you to head over to Rebecca's podcast, scroll back a few episodes. It's all on there. That was a really neat um, 
podcast episode to be able to record because yes we recorded it on moving on in friendship but the lord kind of just also took over that and i had a revelation a huge revelation in the middle of that episode of just how good the lord had been even in the midst of everything that was going on so (laughs) that would be a very encouraging episode just because of all the lord did in there today we are wrapping things up with chapter nine sorry that was a really long recap i apologize um this is chapter nine becoming the friend you want to be so we will walk through this whole book talking about jesus exam all the things we just talked about i'm not going to rehash them for you now it comes down to okay the, the meat how do we become the friend we want to be how do we attract friends i really adore this quote by shell silverstein so i'm going to read it to you i started the chapter with how many slams in an old screen door depends on how loud you shut it. How many slices in a bread depends on how thin you cut it. How much good inside a day depends on how good you live in. How much love inside a friend depends on how much you give them. Isn't that just beautiful? I love that really what goes around comes around. I'm not going to call it karma because that's not what we believe in, of course, but truly what we plant we harvest what we sow we reap if i handed you a blank canvas and asked you to paint a picture of friendship on it what would you paint what does friendship look like to us friendship is an amazingly beautiful messy intricate journey that takes intentionality it takes love it takes all of us if we are going to be the friend we want to be we can't hold things back of course there are place for boundaries that's not what i'm saying but if we're going to enter into a healthy friendship we are going to have to give and give a lot how much love inside a friend depends on how much you give them we need to ask ourselves and i don't know that we actually slow down to ask ourselves these questions very often at all i think maybe subconsciously we think about it sometimes but two of the most important questions we can ask ourselves in terms of friendship are what kind of friend do we ourselves want to be? And also on the opposite side of the same coin, what type of friend would we like to have? I think one of the reasons we don't really bring this to the forefront of our mind very often is because the answers of these questions can seem daunting. Maybe even especially as adults, right? We are always told, we see unquote images online, we hear it, we live it, we experience it. Making friends as adults is a lot harder than it ever was when we were children. As children, we kind of just had built-in friends, those that were our same age, those are that were in our school classes, those that were in our sports, those that were in our Sunday school classes who went to our church. But as an adult, you don't have that built-in sense of friendship. And it can seem daunting to put yourself out there. It can seem hard. It can even at times seem impossible. And even when we have friends, it's easier knowing that we just have them and not putting a bunch of thought into it, right? But I want to encourage us to slow down. And if you are a journaler, take time to journal through these questions. If you're not a journaler, maybe talk to a friend. Maybe just take a walk while you ponder these questions. I really think that looking at ourselves through such a lens ensures that we are humble and willing to change should we need to. It means walking by the Spirit as He directs our hearts and helps us to build friendships. Where then do we start? Well, it'd be easy to start at the beginning if we weren't already in the middle. Most people already have built friendships into their lives and are not really looking to start over. 
my heart in writing this chapter, this section of this chapter, was that it would serve as a kind of like a report card in how we're doing in school. Remember back in school, how my schools always did it? We had four quarters a school year, and every quarter we would receive a report card. Obviously, we weren't at the beginning of the very beginning, sitting down in our second grade class for the very first time and getting a report card. We were already into the school year a quarter, two quarters, three quarters, four quarters. By the time we would really take a step back and look at, okay, what are we doing? Where are our strengths? Where are our weaknesses? Where can we improve? This chapter just serves as a report card for friendship. As with all things, we must walk by the Spirit. As with all things we do in life, every relationship, every hobby, every undertaking, we are willing to hold ourselves up to the light of the gospel and allow the Spirit to shine the light into places where we need to improve, allowing Him to gently convict us. His yoke is easy and His burden is light. The first question we answered within this chapter was that of determining who our friends will be. What kind of friend would you like to have? You may very well be thinking, I already have friends. That's awesome. I'm so happy for you. I love that you have friends. But also, I think we need to remember that only, usually, a small handful of our friends become lifelong friends. Our friends can change when our life seasons change, when our children grow up, when our interests change, when we move. We might switch jobs, and therefore we are always, always should be, um, thinking about making new friends, bringing new friends into our lives. As we have done this whole book, let's look at Jesus' example. Uh, Jesus did not haphazardly choose whom he would allow to follow him, right? He had his 12 disciples that most closely followed him. And he says in Matthew 7, verses 21 through 23, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter into the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name, and cast out demons in your name, and do many mighty works in your name? And then I will declare to him, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. Something really interesting I learned while studying for this chapter was that in the Jewish culture of the time, it was common practice for a student to approach a rabbi and ask to study under him. Jesus flipped the script and instead of waiting for people to come to him and ask if they could study under him, Jesus called men to follow him. Likewise then, we're to be wise about who we allow into our lives as friends. Of course, we are going to be kind and friendly to everyone. That's what we're called to as Christians. Kindness is a fruit of the Spirit. And of course, we're not going to be on best friend level with every single friend we have in our lives. Of the twelve Jesus had, he had three who were especially close to him. I have, not including my husband, my husband is my favorite human ever created and my very best friend. As far as female friends, I have four women in my life who have that place of very close friend. And of those four, I have three who, on a regular basis, speak into my life. It's been proven time and time again that we're going to become like the people we spend the most time with. So in knowing that, please choose your friends wisely. Who do you want to be? We want women in our life who will point us back to Jesus, who will build us up, who will speak life to us, who aren't afraid to give us some tough love at times. 
we're going to have friends who are very much like us. And then we're going to have friends who we have in our life, maybe the Lord's placed in our lives, to challenge us in a certain area, to call us to greatness in a certain area. I want us to think about the night of Jesus' crucifixion, how he told Peter he would deny him three times. Peter was one of those closest with Jesus, and it broke Peter's heart. Peter balked at the idea of denying his Lord. But through this conversation, while Jesus said, yes, you will deny me, he also told Peter that he, Peter, would be the one the Lord built his church upon. He saw his area of weakness and still called out greatness in him. Jesus took the time to invest in his disciples, teaching them to be ministry-focused and kingdom-minded. His presence in their lives was revolutionary, just like it is in our lives today. I think it can be a little sobering to really realize we have such a huge impact in our friends' lives. We can either lift them up or drag them down. Surely we all have examples of when a friend lifted us up. In the chapter, I write about a story that has fascinated me and really just blessed my heart from the time I was an elementary age student. And that is the story of the friendship between Annie Sullivan and Helen Keller. Annie could have easily given up when she saw Helen's condition to enter into that world and to be able to teach. Instead, she used Helen's strong will to spur her to greatness. When no one else could break through the girl's deaf and blind world, Annie found a way in. While she started as a teacher, eventually the relationship grew into one of friendship. Helen went on to earn her bachelor's degree, wrote 12 books, became a world-renowned speaker, and became an educator of the blind and the deaf. All because Annie saw greatness in her and was willing to call Helen into that greatness. Imagine what your friend could do if you called them into greatness. Think about what you've been able to do because someone saw greatness in you and spoke it. Going forth, I want to think about the story in John 4 about the women speaking to Jesus at the well. This is John 4 verses 13 and 14. Jesus said to her, Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks of the water that I give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I give him will become in a spring of water, welling up to eternal life. Cultural expectations told Jesus that he shouldn't be talking to her. It's my sincere hope that no one has ever said the words, You can't be friends with her, to you, about you, over you. But if they have, can I just apologize because that's very hurtful. I'm sorry for the hurt that caused. But also, can I just let you know you're in good company? Because they also said that about the Sumerian woman at the well. Maybe a friend has had a legitimate reason. Maybe there's someone in your life who continually hurt you and you want to keep extending them grace and your friend's like look it's really not a good idea for you to be friends with that person obviously your friend has wisdom there but if we limit ourselves of who we can and can't be friends with imagine what we lose for one thing it's much harder to make and keep friends I would say more so than the previous example, though. A lot of times, for whatever reason, we do this, and our excuses aren't even things that hold weight. I share this example in the book. I'll share two examples. One I shared in the book, one I didn't share in the book. Um, the one I shared in the book was about my high school friend, Brandy, and how I really didn't think I had any business being her friend. She was 
what some people would refer to as alternative or punk. And I was pretty straight-laced. I was a wallflower. We met in marching band. Um, it was a year that my band instructor decided, for whatever reason, to take all woodwinds out of the band and have it all be brass. So all of us <laughs> played woodwind instruments, had to learn to pr- play a brass instrument. Let you in on a little secret we never really did learn, but that's another story for another time. <laughs> um, so Brandy was, like I said, alternative punk. I was very straight-laced. It was quiet. Um, and... We were forced to play the same instrument. Learn to play the same instrument. The really neat thing is we found out we had a lot of co- in common. Set aside our social circles. And truly, we got along great. As I said, she was my closest friend in high school. The example that's not in this book is with my dear friend Candy now. At our church, we currently attend the women's um, director in charge of Bible studies and women's events and everything. His name Carrie. She's amazing. We all love her. About two years ago, maybe. I don't know. Time runs together so much. We'll say two years ago. I started realizing Candy was around Carrie a lot. It seemed like she was training almost to take over Carrie's job, or that's how I saw it. She, come to find out, was not training to take Carrie's job. She was training to learn how to help Carrie with her job so that it was not on Carrie's shoulders completely. But because I loved Carrie so much, I kind of just automatically, this is terrible, I kind of just began harboring bitterness in my heart over Candy because I did not want her to take over Carrie's position. Turns out that I now call Candy my big sister. She's a big sister in Christ. My boys call her Aunt Candy. She's a dear friend. So I would just caution you to be very careful not to put um, expectations or limits on who you can and can't be friends with. There are times the Lord's going to surprise you in whom he places into your life. Even in the type of relationship, maybe you want to be friends with someone, but you never imagine yourself being so close to someone. I've had that happen too. It's really a beautiful thing when we're able to get out of our own ways and let the Lord lead when it comes to building friendship with people. Moving now into the second question, what type of friend would I like to be? I found the best answer to this question in Galatians chapter 5 verses 22 through 23. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things, there is no law. We have a list there of nine things we need to cultivate. We need to walk by the Spirit so that the Spirit is cultivating, rather, into our lives that will make us the kind of friend we want to be. I think it's super important to remember we're all on a journey. No one's perfect. Even those people that are further along in sanctification than we are, and we look at them and we're like, man, you have it all together all together. They will be the very first people that tell you, no, I really don't have it all together. They too struggle and daily need God's grace. Don't get down on yourself because you don't have it all together, because it is a journey. Sanctification is a journey. As we walk by the Spirit, we become more like Christ. Part of being a friend is celebrating the good in people and choosing to accept the not-so-ripe fruit. In due time, that fruit should ripen and all of our lives as believers. We all have our own spiritual fruits that are not not doing so great. I often joke 
that my patience, fruit of the spirit, is rotting by the tree. Patience has always been something that's very hard for me. But even still, I've had friends to come along and love me. I want to be that type of friend for others, don't you? I want to be the type of friend that is able to see my friend's shortcomings. Because as much as we love our friends, if we're just always on the side of, oh my goodness, you're so great and you're so great and la 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 it's not healthy. Yes, there's a place for building up our friends and yes, we should be doing that and yes, we should be speaking into our friend's life and building them and calling them to greatness for sure. But also be willing to see areas, not because you want to nitpick them, not because you want to make it a practice, but be willing to have your eyes open to, yes, these people are not perfect. We don't want to idolize our friends. Be willing to know that God's still working in their lives as well. And that in those areas, you're going to love them. In those areas, you're going to call them to greatness in them. In those areas, you're going to be patient with them. Something a pastor I had once suggested was to sit down with a trusted friend and talk about the fruits of the Spirit. Ask them, again, someone you're comfortable with, someone who is willing to give you constructive criticism. Ask them how they see the fruits of the Spirit in your life, where you're doing good and where you have room for improvement. And then take the time to really work on those. If you're going to go through the exercise of asking someone, take the time to then follow through with working on those areas in your life. Friends, there's not an X plus Y equals Z formula that we can plug everything into and pop out a wonderful friend. There's just not. Even after writing a nine chapter book, I wish I could tell you, this is how you be a good friend. Go out and live it. I can point you to the Bible, of course. I can encourage you in the fruits of the Spirit in your walk with Christ, of course. But so much of this is learned through experience. And it's going to be different in every single friendship you have because every single friend is different. But if we are willing to put in the work, if we are willing to give really all we have in a healthy way, if we are willing to love Christ first and foremost and give our friends what we have because of Christ, we're going to be a good friend. Friendship is a blessing in all of our lives. It has been my absolute joy to both write this book and walk through this book on the podcast with you. This is a little bittersweet because this is the last um, installment of this mini-series, but I really do hope that you have had the time to listen to these and that in some small way they have blessed you and that you are ready to go become to um, continually grow in friendship and improving yourself friends even though rebecca and i have written a book on the subject i can tell you rebecca would be okay with me telling you neither of us have arrived it is something we have to work on daily it's when we think we have arrived that we have a problem it's when we think we have arrived that that's when we're not a good friend don't get overwhelmed by it walk by the spirit love your people well the two greatest commandments love god love others if you can get those down the rest of it as my pastor used to say the rest of it really is just a footnote you'll get it what i ended this book with was the abcs of friendship i said if we abide a is for abide as we abide in christ we learn that he's our truest friend that's probably one of the biggest lessons i've learned this year in 2022 is that christ when we 
truly, truly, truly abide in him and give him our life. He is our truest friend. He's a friend that sticks closer than a brother. He is our sustenance. While it is his heart for us to have friends with others, God desires that we keep him as our number one friend. He alone is the perfect friend, the one who knows us inside and will n- inside out and will never disappoint us. To build a friendship with Jesus is to experience the greatest love we will ever know. John 15:13-15 reads, Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends, for all that I have heard from my father I have made known to you. So that's the A of our ABCs of friendship. B is blessing. Seek to be a blessing. It was by following Sally Clarkson that I fell in love with the concept of being life-giving. Let's seek to be people who build life-giving friendships. Amen. I absolutely love everything about Sally. If you don't follow her, do yourself a favor and go follow her. Anyhow, friends who call others to greatness and challenge them to reach their full potential. Friends... Sorry, that was my continuing reading, what this um, says under B here. We want to be friends who call others to greatness and challenge them to reach their full potential. We want to be friends who feast, have heart-to-heart conversations over coffee, cross bridges, and run toward heaven together. It is truly possible to have beautiful friendships in your life, such as those which have been talked about in this book. Remember, God created you for community. As my prayer used to say, life is too important to do alone. Philippians 2, 3-4 Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. And C in our ABCs of friendship, cultivate, you all know I love that word. Again, this book was written back in 2020, so <laughs> I started. If 2020, the year this book was penned, has taught us anything, it is that we need each other. True friendship does not fall into our laps by happenstance. We have to work to do it if we are going to have deep, abiding friendships with others. While it takes work, the result will always be worth it. Ecclesiastes 4, 9-12 Two are better than one, because they have a good reward for their toil. For if they fall, one will lift up his fellow. But woe to him who is alone when he falls and has not another to lift him up. Again, if two lie down together, they keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? And though a man might prevail against one who is alone, two will withstand him. A threefold cord is not quickly broken. To God be the glory in our friendships. Again, it has been my absolute joy to do this series with you on our book. I hope as we walk away, we were all thinking pondering how we can be a better friend, how we can love our people better. With that, again, Rebecca is re-releasing our appendix. The um, first time I went down to Tennessee, September of 2020, we sat down and recorded that, so that would be a lot of fun. I, myself, am looking forward to listening back to that myself. Until then, I will be back the week of November 1st with our first podcast under where sparrows sing have a wonderful rest of your october and i look forward to sharing more later bye y'all